Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Zaha. Van Aanholt in space here. And Jordan Ayew. It's a lovely goal for Crystal Palace. Jordan Ayew side puts them into a two-goal lead. Zaha in the final time. He knows Van Aanholt's going to go. Harry Wilson doesn't track his runner. Lovely overlap, great ball into the space, and a first-time finish. Hello and welcome to episode 86 of Back of the Net, the AFC Bournemouth podcast. Football is back, not quite in the way we wanted. It's been quite a horrendous three months and a bit and we're not watching the games in the way we would want to we'd rather be all the vitality having a beer in the club having a pie being told to sit down by that annoying north stand steward every 20 minutes or so why but we're not we're watching on tv and it's all a result of what's happened back in march march the 7th it was going to anfield there were the signs that there was going to be some kind of outbreak and lo and behold the world stopped And it's been a horrible place since. And we just wanted to pause for thought for all the people that have been affected by COVID-19. Yeah, and I sincerely hope that everyone who's listening to this is in good health and is going to try to enjoy the rest of the Premier League season. It's it's weird not being able to go to the stadiums. The TV coverage is different. The crowd noises don't tally with what's going on on the pitch. Alas, we're talking about the beautiful game once more. And on this podcast, we're going to be dissecting AFC Bournemouth's first match back. And that was against Crystal Palace. We were all up for it. We were looking forward to it. The motivational messages were on the screen. Did the players perform? 
did they, well, they didn't, did they? 2-0 Vitality and Jeff Hayward is here standing by and we're going to be talking about it very, very shortly. But first, let's do this old theme tune. Well, on Wednesday, we travelled to Wolverhampton Wanderers in a match that's really must win for Bournemouth. I'm sure myself and Jeff will explain why that is a bit later on. Now, pre-Premier League, what were our last three results against Wolverhampton Wanderers? Do you know? So, obviously, our first match in the Premier League against them, uh, well, we lost 2-0. It wasn't a good fixture, was it? Um, then we played them at home and we drew one all. And then the last match against them was a 2-1 defeat. But before the Premier League era, can you tell me the results against Wolverhampton Wanderers? Three games and what were the scores? Right, here we go then. We're back, and so are your opinions. Thank you to everyone that's been contributing to our YouTube channel. We've got a number of opinions that have come through from that. But firstly, it's our old friend Ashley with his opinion on what went on on Saturday. And it's not pretty. Well, uh, that was pretty terrible, wasn't it? We waited all that time, and uh, I thought it was a bit of a disaster. Uh, it was back to the dross that we watched uh, across the late autumn, the new year. I remember saying to you after the Watford game away in the autumn how predictable we were. We moved the ball too slowly. There's a lack of intent when we get possession. Um, there was little or no intelligent movement uh, apart from Brooks and some dreadful defending thrown in. Um, really, really frustrating. I do think. Uh, that opposition analysts probably don't work very hard in the week prior to playing us because we're just so predictable. I pick out the fact that Lewis Cook was anonymous in the centre of the pitch uh, and that coupled with Lerma's inability to pick a forward pass meant that we never really were able to impose ourselves on the game in the first half. Second half, I thought we were a little bit better. Uh, Dan Juma looks a handful. He's certainly more direct than those around him. I'm not sure we should need a wake-up call. Um, If we did, we got one. I was optimistic before lockdown, I'm not now. It's, it might sound odd, it's not the result that hurts, but it's the manner of the defeat. I'm just not so sure that we're good enough or actually have the stomach for it. Reasons to be opt- optimistic, uh, Dan Jume and Brooks uh, are hard to contain when they get going and I thought Stacey, um, despite his defensive failings, worked well with Brooks on that side and he wanted to get down the byline, unlike Smith, who has to cut inside when playing on the left. Uh, I can't believe I'm saying this, but I think I'd keep Stacey, drop Smith and try Rico on the left-hand side. I suppose the other reason to be optimistic is we're only only in the bottom three by goal difference, so plenty to play for. Thanks. Bye. Bit numb, really. I've been looking forward to that all day, and um, that's not the performance I expected. Maybe I was a bit unfair on Crystal Palace. Um, I thought they were they were really really good, but we were we weren't, and we were pretty toothless. Sam, the only positive I can take at the moment is I really like the new shirt. Um, <laughs> is that it? Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's all we've it. got, isn't it? Um, but that was awful. 
that there's just no words. I was actually left speechless for a good minute at full time because at times that felt like we were snug in mid-table, playing for nothing, looking maybe to get between 8th and 11th place. And I think some of those players haven't looked at the league table in two months and they've forgotten that we're in 18th and we're about to go down. So, yeah. I don't know, I don't know, you obviously rock it up somewhere um, to, to kick them back into gear and, and tell them actually, get in gear, lads, because this is a real battle now. It's a nine-game shootout and if we keep playing like that, then we deserve to be a championship team next season. I think we. I think either we can get nine points... Like I'm, people are calling me deluded. Everyone's, everyone's writing us off. I think we, we, we have the squad. We have the players. David Brooks was, the, was the number one star for us this game. Like he, he, he's the one who makes the fans excited. Like he made me excited. I was every time he had the ball, he always created something. That's what we're missing. Like Fraser, what he did was that's so selfish what he did. But in my opinion, Eddie should have done a four-three-three formation. You should have put Kim on the left, um, Wilson on the right, and Wilson up top. And I think he should have benched because at the end, near the end, when um, Brooks got subbed off, yeah. he should have been on the bench because he was feeling that fatigue because he hasn't had ma- uh, match minutes. Well, it, well, and it was you know, and the thing was, it just felt a bit like you know, we've got Lloyd Kelly fit, we've got Dan Juma fit the guys that we were playing have shown that it's not been working, right? And it just felt like when we came out today, it was same old, same old. And we haven't improved and we haven't changed. And it just felt like we need something different. You're trying to, you've got the whole, you've got Callum Wilson starting, which I still don't think deserves to start. You've got Joshua King, who when he was playing in Wilson's position, scored a shit ton of goals for us. So he's now out on the wing looking at it going, why am I not up there? You've got Smithy playing left back, looking over at right back going, why am I not over there? And you're just trying to fit people in. And the Joshua King thing, it feels like he's kind of suffering from like the James Hayter syndrome. You remember with Hayter, was an amazing striker up front and scored loads of goals for us. But because he could play left midfield, because he could play in the the number 10 position, it felt like the, the coach could always accommodate Hayter and play someone else. And it feels the same with Josh King. It feels like because he can kind of do okay out wide, well, we'll play Callum. Instead of going, right, it's either Callum or Josh. Whoever's in form plays up top. Look, let's change it up. Dan Juma's look, I think, more lively than anyone else, pretty much. So, mm-hmm. get him on. Kelly, who knows? But something's got to be different, right? Top opinion there, and as well as Ashley, we had Mr. Tiggs, Thomas, Reese, and Sean, and those views were recorded from the YouTube and Facebook live show, the full-time free-for-all, and we'll give you more information about how you can watch or take part in that later in the show. This is Matt Holland, and you're listening to Back of the Net. So we've had some interesting fans' thoughts on, and uh, yeah, um, people not exactly very happy, but Jeff is here with us to talk about that 2-0 loss at the Vitality. Jeff, how are you doing? Well, it's um, 
the morning after a night before where you wake up and you feel, did that really happen? Was it really that bad? Yeah. And you've had nothing to drink, so, yeah, it was. It's um, it's such a shame because we've been all waiting for so long with a lot of expectation. All the media sound bites leading up to yesterday were so good. Motivational videos going out, really good things being seen in training. Good words from Eddie Howe. Everyone back, barring Fraser, of course, but, you know, we're not going to mention him too much. Um, but it didn't turn out the way we wanted, was it? How's your overriding feeling been this whole weekend? Because we've seen pretty much everyone in action this weekend. And maybe, looking at the table, maybe we've got away with it a little bit. Well, fortunately, um, Villa, I mean, Villa could have lost to Sheffield United, thankfully, they, I mean, you know, no disrespect to any Villa fans listening, but hopefully there aren't many. They lost to Chelsea, so that's great. Yeah. Uh, West Ham looked pretty abject against Wolves yesterday. Um, so we're actually in no worse a position. I was devastated and surprised that Brighton beat Arsenal. Mm. Um, that's a very Arsenal thing for them to do, to go a goal up with 15 minutes left and lose 2-1. Yeah. Um, that was the surprise result, I think, of the weekend. Uh, and Watford coming back in the 96th minute to get a draw against Leicester. I mean, what you can say about Watford and Brighton's performances, they showed resilience. Yeah, they didn't give up. They kept fighting. They they got the bit between their teeth and they went for it. You know, um, what you can say about West Ham, Bournemouth and Villa is less of that I think yeah um for uh, for me it seems like I mean I've been chatting to a few people about this and it seems like it's going to be almost a a straight shootout between us and maybe West Ham I mean you know there are teams like Bryson that have got very difficult matches left and when you play Arsenal I don't really think you can create much of a gauge on how well they did because Arsenal can they can be brilliant but they can be equally very poor so they can still be pulled back into it but the fact is they got points on the board, um, as did Newcastle as well. So there are teams pulling away and there are certain teams that are as poor as each other. Villa, I thought, were not great against Sheffield United. Obviously, they took the lead against Chelsea and our hearts were in our mouths, but Chelsea came back to win it. And, you know, West Ham were as poor as we were. But let's go and rewind to Saturday's game then at the Vitality and... I, uh, you know, leading into it, I thought, well, the results, you know, some of them would have been preferable if Leicester had held on to the win and it would have been great for Arsenal to, you know, hold on for the draw. But at the end of the day, it's all in our own hands. I mean, Wolves did do us a favour against West Ham, but come sort of um, half past seven with 15 minutes to go, AFC Bournemouth have got motivational messages on the screen from fans being shown to players, uh, you know, from their own videos, ex-pros. And you're thinking, is this message going to get through to the players? And for the first five minutes or so, it looked like it was. But let's talk about the squad, the actual team first. And we pretty much nailed it, apart from Billing, who who was not available, uh, will be next uh, for the next match. And uh, Lewis Cook deputised. What do you think when you saw that team? I was pretty happy. It was uh, 10 out of 11 were the people that we uh, talked about. Yeah. Um, and I thought it was very attacking I thought that 
Brooks would play on the on the right hand side, coming yeah. in on his left foot. Um, and I think what actually transpired, even in that first ten minutes, you could see what Eddie was trying to do. Mm. So Crystal Palace had beaten us one uh, nil with ten men at Selhurst Park in December, and uh, that was a game where you know eighty minutes of that of last night was reflected in that game back in December. I thought you know it was an attack against defence. We we had a lot of possession in front of them but we didn't really do much with it. So what Eddie tried to do last night, I think, was, OK, what we're going to try and do is mix it up a bit, try and play much more fluidity. And that meant swapping um, Brooks and Harry Wilson continually. They seem to be changing, flitting yeah. about between between positions to create confusion, create space. And um, it was having a degree of uh, success in those first 10 minutes. Mm. Um, however, as soon as Palace got the ball, which they started to do even before that free kick, you know, we looked a little bit flaky at the back. We were standing off them too much. We weren't tight on them. We weren't uh, getting aggressively uh, into them, into the ball, into their players. We weren't. We were just standing off them, giving them time to turn, giving them time to run at us, conceding far too much space, which they were not doing to us. And it was, um, it was looking a bit nervy, even by the time of that free kick, which was a softy to give away. I don't think it was a free kick, but the ref yeah. gave it. And, and it's a hard, um, isn't it? So it was it's a hard that went down. Yeah, and he barely, barely, barely any contact. No, but no. you know, does, that's what he does, and he got the free kick. What can you say? You know. Mm. I mean, it was a decent strike, wasn't it, um, by Milivojevic? I mean, I don't. I mean, some people have been saying Ramsdale could have maybe done better. Maybe he could have, but it was you know postage stamp top bin strike. And you know, this came after we did hit the back of the net, but obviously the ball went out, and Brooks showed a moment of class that you thought, oh my goodness, you know, this is Brooks back. And that was when the wings were, you know, he was swapping with Harry Wilson, as you said, he was on the right at this point, and. You sort of say, well, it may cause confusion for them, but you sort of think as the game went on, it perhaps it caused confusion for us because we didn't truly know how we were that, forming. That is absolutely spot on. I think somebody said on the chat last night, Eddie has a slight tendency sometimes, I think, to overthink mm. the tactics. And I think that's what he did last night. Uh, yeah. I don't think the players were entirely comfortable with what, was going on the shape wasn't quite uh they weren't comfortable and i think that's why they were timid i think they're also you know obviously playing in front of no fans is is disconcerting but same for palace mm. um but um i think we found it probably more disconcerting particularly when we went a goal down mm. um but i do think that the players didn't really get the tactics and it showed in their performance in that first half. The other thing that he was trying to do, um, Palace are a big physical team. They've got a lot of height. They're very strong in the centre. Center, and I think what he was trying to do from set pieces was try to hit the far post, get somebody like Josh King running in at the back to try and uh, bypass the big sort of centre halves in the middle. But the delivery on so many occasions was abject and that didn't work either. So it kind of like thought, well, what is the plan to actually get behind them and score other than a bit of individual magic? 
mm. from Brooks. Oh, Josh King, I thought he was off his game completely yeah. as well last night, and that that again didn't help because you remember that shot in the first half where it sort of hit the corner flag, you know, and yeah. you think. I know, you know, it's just... And Lerma had a shot that went high and hit our beloved Kevin Wilkins' electrical contractor billboard. It was the <laughs> same every single time. I think that, you know, you look at the starting lineup and you think, you know, when everyone's on form, that's a good starting lineup. But I can't help but feel as though our, our wingers, you know, maybe not inexperienced because Brooks has played there before, but Brooks is the first time he's played competitive football in a long time. Harry Wilson has never really impressed us has he his set pieces are obviously you know second to none the only times when he has really impressed us is when we've been chasing a game like when we we're 3-0 down at Spurs and he was being pushed up and then he was playing down the middle of the pitch quite a lot and was really effective so you're playing him on one side where he's not been that great granted he's our top scorer you've got Brooks on the other side I mean I don't want to mention his name but would have we been better off with Wee Man playing for a bit of experience on one of those flanks um maybe i i mean i think the i think the the fraser conversation is kind of historic really yeah. he's not going to play he wouldn't have played and his attitude would not not necessarily have guaranteed anything better mm. so maybe uh, let's put it another way um we did toy in our formation in in the preview on YouTube uh, about having King on one of the flanks instead, who, uh, you know, it's not his favourite position, but he can do a job there. Um, and then maybe we could have done something else up front. I mean, you know, Dom Solanke's not not brilliant, but, you know, there were a couple of games where he did all right playing alongside Callum Wilson up front and then King was out on the flank. So could that have been done? Because it felt like we were, you know, very weak. That said, in the middle of the park, I felt as though they cut through us very easy. And you see, I mean, in the lead up to the free kick, which obviously we've spoke about, and then in the lead up to their second goal, Palace had so much space in the middle of the park. And that was highlighted at halftime with Gary Lineker, where they yeah. put the little dot on the player. And the space around them was just ridiculous, wasn't it? We were We were so timid. We were defending far too deep. And I don't know whether it was fear about the pace of Sahar. Maybe it was. We just stood off them, stood off them. And maybe it's the pressure of having that game as a, one of our nailed on, we've got to win this game to give ourselves a really good chance that got to the players too. I think that's I, one of the things that I, I've put it down to afterwards. And I think there was almost so much expectation. You know, for, you know, one, first game back for three months, ridiculous amount of pressure. Two, um, there was also a bit of added pressure by the fact that we never played an external friendly. It was just, you know, other clubs did and we didn't. We were playing internal friendlies, 11 against 11. How can you really judge how good you are? So this was almost our match to see where we're at. And now we know where we're at and we're not in a good place. Um, yep. And three, playing at home, um, that is meant to be an advantage as well. And you just think, well, maybe this is a match that we've just got out of our system now. We've got a match where we're not expected to win against a team next that plays in a way that we can attack them. I mean, Palace, they were set up, you know, to their credit, we're talking about our weaknesses, to their credit, they looked ridiculously difficult to break down. And at 1-0, you're thinking, there's no way we're going to break through these guys. Yet when they attacked, they were economical with the ball and they managed to get through us. And I felt like our core of Lerma and Cook, as I just alluded to back then, was, was very weak. Lerma wasn't the same player that he usually is. No. Passing back quite a lot and very ponderous on the ball. 
didn't get the ball out wide quick enough. Sometimes the quickest balls out came from Nathan Ake, um, that he always puts it out to the left wing. It just, it just wasn't good, was it? Yeah, way too slow. Very ponderous. I thought that was uh, uh, Jeff Lerma's worst game for us by, yeah. by a, a, a country margin. And I thought Lewis Cook showed uh, aggression, but it there was just too much space, and and we were getting we were getting out thought when they broke on us. Uh, I think it was McCarthy and uh, Van Aanholt and Zahar were playing brilliant little triangles. I mean, actually, do you know what they identified our our right back position as the weak point, and they really went for it. You know, tactically mm. astute Roy Hodgson. He knows that Harry Wilson cannot defend. Mm. Uh, Jack Stacey is still a little bit green, um, but it was it was easy for them to get in behind the defence on that side, and and that second goal was um, just like it was so easy, so yeah. easy, so much time on the ball. When I was on a WhatsApp conversation with Paul Kenwood and uh, Tony, Mister Tiggs, and I said to them, I cannot remember the last time we've touched the ball to them. And then, lo and behold, about 30 seconds later, they scored. And when they did, it it looked so easy, doesn't it? And it was, um, you know, a cutback that was then put into the back of the net by um, IU on 23 minutes. And, yeah. uh, you know, what's really frustrating is a couple of seasons ago, we were known as the team that were the comeback kings. But this season, especially when we've gone a goal down, it's just... It seems like there's absolutely no way that we're going to come back. And even at one nil, I thought there's no, you know, there's no chance. And what's frustrating is that I'm looking at players' faces and I want to see aggression. I want to see almost a horror and them being distraught at being one nil down. Yet the camera pans in on Callum Wilson when we've got a corner. He's laughing and joking with someone, all smiles at one nil down. And as a fan, I'm looking at that, thinking, you know, I want to see you you know, really motivated and, you know, with a bit of anger almost, but there seemed to be none of that. And it it translated to how we played on the pitch because it was really pedestrian, wasn't it? Where are the leaders in that team last night? Where were they? Their, the uh, intensity was completely missing. We We used to press as a team really well. And there were one or two moments in that first 10 minutes where Callum pressured the keeper and he, he messed it up and it felt like he was just the only one doing that we weren't mm. really doing it well enough as a team as a unit as we have done in the past um and he in fact he gave up pretty much after that there were a couple of couple of sort of elements yeah. of that but not enough callum leads from the front but you're right you know anonymous so easy for um cahill and uh, the oh. other guy to look after him last night it was you know, it, it was it was really tough. And I think there's a lot also about the style of play. You know, how how are we playing at the moment? Are we trying to play like we used to when we had Charlie Daniels with Mark Pugh in front of him? Are we trying to play with Frano and Matt Ritchie in front of mm. him? Because the, the combinations aren't there for the, the people that were picked last night. Mm. And... Without those combinations, we have no chance in hell of getting to in behind a team. So we're reduced to ponderous, slow play, easy, and, easy and to defend. You know what I find really frustrating when I'm watching us? I mean, Adam Smith, bless him, um, he's been a club stalwart, but on that left side, I'm... Um, 
he's done some good jobs for us over the years, but I'm not convinced. And I mean, we see it in right back from him quite a few times where, you know, Crystal Palace are on the attack. Their attack breaks down. There's been a you know, good tackle by Ake, Cook, Lerma or someone. And then we try to recycle the ball, turn him over. He runs up the pitch, stops. And by that time, their banks have got back. And then we're playing against that brick wall again. And we lose momentum so often you never usually saw Charlie Daniels do it. You'd see him, you know, a bomb on down the wing and then there'd be Mark Pugh sort of overlapping or even like Wee Man would be over there and just seemed to be breaking up the play. And at all times, it felt like Crystal Palace had almost every player behind the ball at, you know, at all times. And there were glimpses where we had chances where I think Brooks was fairly good at sort of floating between the lines, but he had so much pressure on him yesterday and he couldn't, he couldn't really do it like all on his own and he offered some bright sparks but other than that you're looking at some of the other players I mean Ake are fairly solid but you're sort of thinking well who else had a good game yesterday and I'm struggling uh, I'm struggling too it was it was pretty abject uh, there were moments from Brooks uh, moments from Danjuma when he came on and individual moments that's all we've got and you can count them on the fingers of one hand which is not good enough for a, a you know we had 12 shots in the game it needs to be near a 20 at home in that sort of context i think and only one on target we've got to be getting more than that otherwise you never you're never going to score you're never going to win a game with just one shot on target mm. um so I, I think we've got some serious issues. What it reminded me of very much were we've had a number of these abject performances this season. You can count that Crystal Palace game at yeah. Selhurst Park. I think you can also include uh, we weren't great against Burnley at home, no. I don't think. Uh, we were really, really poor against Watford when the pressure was on. And that game last night reminded me a lot of the Watford game. It was just like sitting through that sort of turgid mm. spectacle, even though we didn't gift them goals like we did in that game, you know, the, 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 the slowness of the play was very reminiscent. And, you know, the positive thing to take out of that is, you know what, we turned it round because against Brighton at, uh, at home and against Villa at home, we put in decent, but Chelsea at home, we played really well. You know, we can do it. We can play with pace. We can play with intensity. What we've got to do is get that get that in the next game absolutely yeah. against Wolves but we've got to get it without the crowd having to lift the players to do it either yeah and that's obviously you're one of the factors that lots of people are looking at thinking you know obviously we're a small club we rely on our 12th man quite a lot and you know we haven't got that it's it's not very pretty but I mean it did it did improve a little bit in the second half but I mean, Harry Wilson came off, you know, for Dan Juma, who offered um, some bright sparks sort of down that left side. But what you could say on the, you know, for the game as a whole was that, I think Peter Rutzler said this, they didn't look like a team that was in a relegation dogfight, which is probably one of the harshest criticisms you can really make. It's almost like they didn't understand the severity of the situation. And the second half, there was a, a little bit more urgency but it was, I mean, I think one of the first shots we had, I mean, we didn't have many shots on target. I don't think but one of the first shots we had at goal that was, you know, reasonably on target sort of came, you know, into the second half. And it's just, it it wasn't good enough, was it? Uh, no way. Uh, Junior, you know, when he came on, he added a bit of yeah. directness. Um <sighs> 
it's very flat and it's disappointing to feel this flat after the build-up because we were all hugely optimistic that yeah. players were back fit we had a strong squad to talk to pick from fitness wise they looked a bit off the pace as well palace mm. palace i know they're a, a big strong team strong athletic team but they were they were streets ahead of us in terms of fitness on yes on yesterday showing um and i think i think um roy's got the um the hex over eddie sort of freaks him out i think a bit and he just you know, tries to do too much um um we're not even capable of getting the basics right if we if we worry about playing our game properly that would have given crystal palace more problems than trying to do something fancy as i think we tried last night and failed what do you think about the gary cahill challenge and uh lewis cook did something very similar um you know later in the match you know one of them went to var what were your thoughts on that because there's a lot of split opinion on twitter some say it should have been red card other people say he won the ball that's absolutely fine what were your thoughts on it well um when it happened in real time, I thought he got a bit of the ball and it was the follow-through that caught King, which actually, when it when it played back, it looked worse in slow motion because they took the playing the ball bit out of it and just showed him coming across his ankle and he was off the ground. And um, I've, I've read a number of comments too that suggest if that was uh, Lerma or one of our players doing that, they get the red card. Yeah. And um, yeah... I I thought it was a 50-50. It could have gone either way, and I would not have been surprised if he'd have got a red. Mm. But, look, you know, we were 2-0 down by that point. What, could you see us getting back against them, even if they had 10 men? No. 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 Uh, so, so, yeah, you know, maybe we were on the wrong end of the decision. Was that responsible for us losing the game last night? The game was already gone, and... and you know, 30 minutes to get back against 10 men. Well, we couldn't do it in the first game. We had 70 or 80 minutes in the first game against them, so couldn't see it happening. No, and, you know, after that, Palace spent the game running into the corner flag and Bournemouth spent that time basically passing it to them. Uh, Zaha and Cahill, they they missed good chances to make it worse. Uh, Thankfully, they didn't. And that brought an end to the game. And you're left there pondering what on earth... I mean, I found it very difficult to sort of just realise that the players didn't seem to give a toss. Um, and, you know, there there was no aggression out there. And, you know, the post-match interviews, you sort of hear the usual sound bites. But time is of the essence now. But, the, you know, these are the same conversations, Jeff, that we were having 10 games ago, you know, 15 games ago. And at the time we thought, well, you know, we've got more time to pull this out of the bag. But now it's getting increasingly difficult with some of the fixtures we've got ahead. You know, Spurs, Manchester City, yeah. etc. It's not And look, And, and I, I think, Sam, the worrying thing is that we lost against Liverpool, but we were we put in a performance against them that would have actually got a, a draw against Palace last night if we'd have played like that, minimum, I think. We put in a performance against Burnley and were robbed by VAR. Again, we play like that, we give ourselves a chance. We, we put in a performance against Sheffield United away and lost, but we put in a performance there. We definitely put in a performance against Chelsea. And so you sort of scratch your head and think, OK, we were kind of in a good good way mm. even though we were losing games that that performance last night that goes back to december 
where we started having real issues and the start of January where we were really poor mm. and it seemed like the players couldn't give a toss and I thought we'd got that out of our system. That is what is worrying is that the players are now back in that mindset. We have to play it quicker. We have to be more inventive. We have, If we're going to play the Bournemouth way, the Bournemouth way is get the ball into midfield, hit the long ball to Callum Wilson, at least mix it up a bit. You know, we did none of that last night. None of it. And mm, it's yeah. really frustrating to to think about how we've gone backwards where before the lockdown break, it felt like we were actually making progress. Yeah. Tactically naive, maybe. I mean, against Wolves, we're going to, you know, we're definitely going to need some personnel changes. I think some of them may be forced with Josh King, perhaps looking um, fairly unlikely. And you know, I'm sure that Eddie Howe's put in a lot of work and it was the it was the players that didn't deliver on, you know, Eddie Howe's not perfect, but you looked at that team and you thought, you know, they they've got the beating of Crystal Palace on paper, but it just didn't pan out like that. It was such a shame that we couldn't be there to watch it, but we saved the petrol money in not being there, Jeff, didn't we? And We uh, certainly did. We certainly did. I, I just want to add one more thing. You yeah. talked about the players players not giving a toss. Again, the 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 club has been built, our success has been built about Eddie giving players who've got a point to prove, mm. the opportunity to prove themselves. And I wonder whether uh, there are a number of players who came up with us through that process who think they've gone as far as they can and maybe don't feel they've got anything more to give or are incapable of having anything more to prove. Callum Wilson, no names, but you know, you've got your England count, maybe you've gone as far as you can. Um, and I think maybe the players that have been brought in think they've arrived and are looking at next year and where they're going to be playing next year rather than thinking about this season. And Josh King, perhaps. Josh King, I think, you know, he's injured and maybe it'll be a good thing that he's, he's not in the team for the next game so we can see, you know, Dan Juma does have something to prove. So mm. come on, let's see it. And let's, let's maybe give uh, Lloyd Kelly a chance at left back because we paid a lot of money for him. He's not played all season. Mm. What, what have we got to lose, you know, playing a proper left back? People are saying that, um, you know, maybe relegation to the championship is not a bad thing. I mean, I, I've got a feeling it would be a, not a terminal decline, but it could be really bad for the legacy of the club. I've heard rumblings about what would happen with the training facility if we got relegated. I know that uh, it's been reported that it won't be affected by relegation, but I've heard otherwise. And that could be... The nail in the coffin, and I'm sure for Eddie Howe, the pressure is just unbelievable now. These eight games, I mean, I know that we've had such sort of tough times before, but I don't think it's got as bad as this. Um, where we could lose the nucleus of our squad, um, if we do get relegated, and we've got a number of games left now that I mean, I know we called Palace must win, but these, these are must, must win now. And back in the day. You knew that we had the players to deliver it and who would be able to be capable of understanding the gravitas of the match that they're about to take part in. But now you you don't think they do. And just I know we had that five minutes or eight, nine minutes start where we looked all right on the ball yesterday. But for the rest of it, you wouldn't have known it is one of the most important games that we've got. And the importance of every single match now is just going to be, you know, it's going to be like twofold next time and then threefold, fourfold. And 
We, we need to see a reaction against Wolves, Jeff, don't we? We really do. We need to see a performance. Maybe not the result we'll get because they, they looked good. And players like Triore, I think, oh my goodness. We'll talk about Wolves, of course. But um, players like Triore, I mean, if he starts, I mean, he's a powerhouse. And he was instrumental to their sort of two goals yesterday. And they play free-flowing, attacking football. But that may work in our favour. They will look at us and think we're soft and think that they can put on a show that they're playing for Europe. Um, they are a very talented team. They keep the ball well. They might even counter-attack against us pretty effectively if we do you know, have any chances. I think we've got to score at least two goals to give ourselves the chance of getting a point against them. Now, before we get Jeff back to talk about the Wolves game on Wednesday, I just wanted to say thank you so much for all the comments, reviews and positive feedback from the interviews that we had on YouTube. We thought it was really vital to keep the sort of real life communication flow going in terms of AFC Bournemouth whilst this lockdown was happening. So we established a a regular chat, but it it sort of turned into a live interview session on a Sunday night at 8pm, a regular slot where we managed to attract some some really big names and I was so so chuffed and Jeff was instrumental in all of that Um, his input cannot be underestimated in lining up some of the ridiculously top names that we had including Tommy Elphick Matt Ritchie Harry Redknapp and more and you know what I am younger than Jeff but to be learning whilst listening to these interviews as well the ones that he carried out with Neil Dawson and others it was phenomenal. Like Tommy Heffernan, I, I wasn't around. Well, I was around in his time, but I was too young to be watching. But I loved listening to those stories. Ian Bishop, I probably went to Dean Court then, but I can't really remember much. But he was a class apart and he stayed with us for about two hours as well. Amazing listens. It's a time of my life that despite all the horribleness that was going on in the world, I'll look back on and I'm so proud of what we've done there. And I just want to thank each and every one of you for your support and also the sponsors as well, including Living Home Tech and also Friends of Pokestown as well for the financial input, which basically, obviously, we've got work to do. This YouTube stuff, it doesn't pay very well whatsoever. So we've been trying to sort of do what we can within our work time but obviously you know we we do need to work to have a living as well so to have some financial input as well really helped to basically provide the time for us to put these videos together and everyone also that bought us a coffee or maybe bought a beer 52 pack as well all these little things really do help but if you want to still help for free you can do so by just leaving a review and that you know that means the world to us so thank you so much for con- for contributing but if you do want to buy us a coffee it is afcbpodcast.com slash coffee we really do appreciate it right wolverhampton wanderers wednesday 6 p.m that's a weird time let's get jeff back hi this is the biggin steve fletcher and you're listening to back of the net So Wednesday night then, it's going to be Wolverhampton Wanderers away, never an easy place to go, live on BT Sport, they looked very impressive in their match against West Ham, Jeff, and uh, yeah, we've got um, 
we've got an improved performance to give, haven't we? We have uh, the reaction from the players in the post-match interviews talked a lot about uh, knowing how they'd let the uh, the fans down and knowing how they let themselves down. So we just got to see that because what we want above everything is a 100% effort and we certainly did not see that, to my mind, on Saturday night. No, that's right. So, I mean, in terms of personnel, what who do you think should be starting and who not? Because, you know, there are some people thinking that Harry Wilson's almost got a clause to start every single game. And, uh, you know, I don't... There are so, Sometimes I feel sorry for him being played you know, where he is, but, you know, it doesn't... Howell's always going to play him there, but I don't think he's the answer. And when you see players come on and, you know, give it a go, like Dan Juma did, um, you're thinking maybe Dan Juma and Brooks out wide. Yeah, I think that's... That would be my choice. I think if there's an argument to have uh, Harry Wilson on the bench, like we did on Saturday when we had a free kick and he was off the pitch as as Brooks was and we had Junior take the free kick, you know, that sort of Mm. position, that's where you want Harry. So if there's a case for special teams, five subs where you can bring them on at certain points, yeah, you know, (laughs) have him on the bench. If we get a free kick from that distance, maybe think about bringing him on if we're sort of nil-nil with 70 minutes on the clock, you know, absolutely. But... I, I can't see him contributing enough, certainly mm. if he's played uh, on that sort of right side in front of Stacey, Frano, Adam Smith, whoever you pick up right back. I think, uh, you know, if there's one team I'm jealous of in the Premier League, I mean, obviously you've got your top clubs, but Wolves are just superb. They, you know, they've qualified for Europe and they've done very well in Europe and their Premier League form has been exceptional. They've pulled out some tremendous results out of the bag, um, including one at Manchester City as well. And they just seem relentless. And he see, Nuno seems to have that blend there uh, that causes teams a lot of havoc. And we saw it against West Ham at the weekend where West Ham, I thought, were you know pretty poor, really. But um, Wolves didn't really get out of second gear but then they just turned on the style Traore came on and down that right flank he beat his marker so many times and you know he put in the cross for the first header and then was instrumental again in their second and you know they cruised it they're going to be a real tough team to break down aren't they? Yeah well I mean Traore may well start or they may use him off the bench against the tiring defence like they did uh, yesterday and mm. either way you know the fullbacks have been vulnerable for us those fullback positions so what's going to happen um, Kelly or Rico ahead of Adam Smith yes but you know Rico's Rico can be vulnerable <clears throat> vulnerable against the pace anyone's vulnerable against the pace of Troy if he yeah. plays like he did uh, yesterday so we've got issues there and I think they're just generally they're very good, very skillful, and we shouldn't underestimate Jimenez. What a clever striker he is! As mm. you know, he's arguably as much of a handful in the air as Benteke was, and we couldn't really handle Benteke on Saturday. Um, no. But I'd say more intelligent than Benteke. He scores with his feet as well as his head. The goal he scored against West Ham was a beauty. You know, just pulls off the centre half, creates a bit of space, easy as you like. They're technically gifted and, you know, they pay with, you know, I don't know why we sing it, but they play with pace and attack. Um, And yeah, I mean, I'm jealous seeing how well they do. And they've got almost this, you know, their formation's funny. It's almost a 3-5-2, but sometimes they're sort of 3-4-3. So I don't don't know how we're going to deal with this. I think it's one of those games where I feel as though we should be packing out the midfield, like at Chelsea, Um, because it it was like a knife through butter against Crystal Palace. Um, And... uh, 
you're looking at the, the the players that are going to be starting, and yeah, I would say there needs to be a few changes. One of which I just I just think Adam Smith on that left side is not very effective. Um, Stacey, as you said um, on the chat with the Palace uh, on Palace, I think naive at times, but then he is up. He was up against Zaha quite a lot. Who's who's always a handful. But you look at our defenders who push forward, and you think, you know, who's that player that can get a wicked cross into the box? Smith isn't that type of player, is he? Every time he he gets on the ball, he stops and he always cuts inside. Whereas Rico. We know how good his you know, delivery can be from set pieces, if nothing else. Um, and he can whip in a ball with his left foot like, into the box that Callum Wilson and, and whoever else will be up front will gorge on. So I'd be tempted to put him on the left and then maybe Smith on his preferred position on the right. Or maybe Jack Stacey, who can offer that bit of pace and also attacking flair, as we saw at places like Arsenal, where Stacey had quite a good game. Oh, I'd absolutely agree with that analysis. Can't... can't uh... I don't think you can um, you can pick Smith again to play left back after that game on Saturday. Just can't do it. It's not giving an, mm. us enough going forwards. Dan Junior Jan Juma needs help if he is going to play in front of him, and that means it's got to be a left-footed player who can pass the ball. And Rico can do that. So, yeah, he'd be my favourite actually. Yeah, I'll put five in the middle, and I'd, I'd you know, Lerma. I think he, he had a poor game, but you almost feel as though you can't drop him, though. Weirdly, um, and I think we missed that engine of Dan Gosling, that disruptive character that will just put his body in the way. Um, and then it's one other. Now I think Billing may be available for it, um, or you could be putting Lewis Cook in. Uh, I'm, I, I'm not too sure, but I think Brooks. Again, it would be nice for him to start as well. And at least that sort of means that with Brooks one side and maybe Dan Juma the other, it will be Callum on his own up front. But, you know, we can morph into that three attacking uh, players if we need to. And if we can counter-attack, you know, we know that we've got the flair on both flanks to join Callum. You know what? I think we should aim to get a nil-nil if we can. And um, playing that sort of formation would give us a chance of doing that. Um we absolutely need at least one point and I can't really uh, see us playing with a great sense of freedom to to give Wolves enough problems to, to beat them at the moment, playing a four four two. So I'd go with that. What, what are your thoughts on home advantage? Uh, you know, is it a thing or, or, or not really? Is there going to be less pressure on on us in this match or will it almost be the same amount of pressure? Well, because whilst there may not be the pressure of, because we are, you know, you're technically away, that that's almost counterbalanced by the fact that it's one of these must-win matches again. Yeah, I think technically um, there'll probably be a bit less pressure because we're not at home and it's not the big sort of BBC One match on Saturday night relaunching all the big fanfare that went along with it. Um, yeah. And playing away from home, I mean, there's there's no sort of intimidating crowd atmosphere to, to get under the players' skins. But where there's a quality team playing against a team of poorer quality it's an even playing field and, and you know if we play like we did against Palace Wolves will beat us so we've, we've got to change we've got to change so yeah Jeff you know from what we hear I mean Josh King is going to be a doubt um, and you know Eddie Howe never really gives much away but the way he was hobbling off didn't seem good the only plus point I could say is that he wasn't stretched off um, he did just hobble off but it, you know it could be ligament damage in which case we're surely going to be sort of losing him for a few matches um, 
It's going to be a tough match. Can I have a prediction from you at this point, Jeff? I mean, you know, if if we're being brutally honest here, you, you're sort of looking at a 2-0, 3-0 loss maybe, aren't we? But, I mean, what are your thoughts if you're going to be glass half full for this? Well, the realist in me says a 2-0 defeat. Uh, the optimist in me says uh, 0-0 draw. Mm. Okay. Right. God, um, I will go for. Am I going to go? What am I going to do? I'm going to go for a, a one nil. We're going to scrape a one nil. But again, I'm not feeling it because the you know performances are not showing us. If we, you know what, Jeff? If we if we lose, but we put in a hell of a performance, that will give me some hope. Um, and Eddie's pulled it out of the bag before in situations where we felt. You know, God, maybe he could be sacked. You know, maybe, um, you know, we're going to go down. But he's always pulled out of the bio. But this is, you know, this is pressure now. This is pressure. And here's, you know, this is where Eddie's qualities are going to show. His man management qualities are the squad going to reflect what the fans are feeling. And that's the only thing I can hope because it's a momentous match. And if they show that grit and desire... Even if the result doesn't go for us, at least we know they've left everything out there. The motiv- the motivational message... Uh, sort of messages that were on the big screen and played online uh, beforehand from AFC Bournemouth, told players, leave it all out there, put in 110%. We got none of that against Palace. Surely if we see that against Wolves, you can sort of say, well, at least they tried. And and I think how often this season have we questioned the man management skills of Eddie and Jason and the team? And we're mm. doing it again because it's not about whether the players have the skill and the talent to do it it's about putting in the effort and being a team united as a team and that's what's so worrying and such a challenge for Eddie because I think it goes beyond coaching okay tactically he didn't get it right against Palace um, but it's more than tactics this this is about getting the team to be playing with that focus that desire and that level of application that we just haven't seen enough of this season brilliant Okay, well, fingers crossed. Jeff, thank you very much for coming on again today. Cheers, Sam. So that just about wraps up another show on Back of the Net. Now, if you're a YouTube subscriber, you'll know that I usually stand outside the 1910 bar doing one-to-one interviews after every game. Obviously, I can't do that now, but we're doing a, a final whistle free-for-all. That's what we're calling it, whereby for an hour after each game, we're inviting fans on for a bit of an open house, so to speak, where you can grab a beer, grab a coffee, grab a juice, and just talk with us about all things AFCB. Here's how it works. Final whistle. We'll give it five minutes. We'll pop the link out on Twitter and Facebook. The video will be live on Facebook and YouTube. And it's an open session. We'll have up to six people on screen at once. Otherwise, it turns into a bit of a Zoom call. And we all know how bad they can be when you have like more than six people in or seven. It's like a joke, isn't it? Audio-wise, it's terrible. Now, what really helps us is if you grab a pair of headphones, if you want to take part, that is, and then plug it into your phone or your laptop, and then go to afcbpodcast.com slash take part. 
that will take you to our special broadcast room. You just have to allow the camera and the mic when prompted. Put in your name and click the blue enter studio. I'll know that you're there. We've got a certain amount of spaces there at any given time. So if it says you can't come in, be patient and try again later. And then we will get you in and get around as many people. We've got people from like New Zealand. Sean came on. Of course, the podcast founder. A couple of people from America as well. Paul and Jeremy. Great to see and hear you on the air. That was amazing. And we just had some really raw banter. And it's something that we want to do regularly. So if you're missing the live Sunday night shows, never fear. Because we're doing these as well to fill the void of the fan chats that we're doing so yep remember at the start of the show i asked you a bit of a wolverhampton wanderers teaser before our premier league stint what were our last three results against them I can tell you now. Well, the previous time we played them before Premier League was March 2015 at Dean Court. That was a 2-1 win for Bournemouth. Before that, another 2-1 win. That was away. Do you remember those late goals? I think it was Matt Ritchie that scored the last goal. Q Bedlam. Uh, and then before that, well, quite a long way away, in the League Cup 1998... On the 22nd of September, we went to Wolverhampton Wanderers and we beat them 2-1 with both goals coming from Mark Steen and a certain Eddie Howe, Jason Tindall, Steve Fletcher and Richard Hughes took part in that side. Those were the glory days. And Robbie Keane scored for Wolverhampton Wanderers as well. So they were all 2-1 wins for Bournemouth. And then, yeah, as soon as we went into the Premier League, it all went to pot, losing 2-0, drawing one all at the Vitality. And then the last time was a 2-1 defeat. Hopefully, Wednesday will be different. For now, hope you have a good week. Let's hope it's a good one for AFC Bournemouth. And you've been listening to Back of the Net, the AFC Bournemouth podcast. Space here and Jordan Ayo. It's a lovely goal for Crystal Palace. Jordan Ayo side puts them into a two goal lead. Puts our high, despite the time, you know Van Arnold's going to go. Harry Wilson doesn't track his runner. Lovely overlap, great ball into the space, and a first time finish. Podcast Network. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday. I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather. Now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.